morning, good afternoon, good evening, no matter where you are, no matter what time it is, it's a great day to be serving the Lord. Welcome to the Go Ye There podcast. I'm your host, Leland Johnson, and we're so thankful to have you joining with us today. Perspective. It's what helps you properly frame what you're seeing at the moment. Today, we're going to try and give some perspective to what we're seeing in missions today. Let's head into the open. In Isaiah 46, 9, the Bible says, I am God and there is none else. I am God, there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from the ancient times to the things that are not yet done. The Bible teaches that God has the ultimate perspective. He can see from the beginning to the end. We don't have that type of perspective. So many times we have trouble putting the things that happen in our life into context. I often wonder about how today's missions fits in the context of missions over the past century. If you read one article, they say that missionaries are coming off of the field at alarming rates, which should mean that there's more dollars than missionaries. But then you hear that it's harder than ever to get a missionary to the field because it's harder than ever to raise support. A little bit of perspective will help us to understand what we're seeing and see where we are in the big picture. Today, we're going to talk with Dr. Don Sisk. Dr. Sisk is kind of a legend among independent Baptist missionaries. He's been in missions for over 60 years and has served in almost every capacity. We're going to use his many years of service to help us gain some perspective on where American missions has been and where it's going. Let's get started. Sisk is someone who, for most, does not need an introduction. While serving as a missionary in Japan, he established two churches as well as the Kansai Independent Baptist Bible School. Next, he served as the Far East Director for Baptist International Missions Incorporated for 10 years and then served as the president of the same organization for 19 years. He now serves as the General Director Emeritus of BIMI, Chairman of the Missions Department at West Coast Baptist College, and preaches missions conferences all over the world. He and his wife, Virginia, who passed away last year, have served the Lord faithfully for over 60 years. Dr. Sisk, it is such an honor to have you with us today. It is a joy to be with you, Brother Johnson, and I thank God for you and your family and for the ministry there in Brazil, and just pray that God will continue to bless and use you in a wonderful way. Thank you so much, sir. Let me ask you, what has been the biggest change that you've seen in missions over the years? Uh, Let let me go back a long way, Brother Johnson, even before my time, okay? And I think one of the great things that has happened in uh, the last I'm going to say 75 to 100 years. They did a lot of good things. They taught people how to read. They taught people how to uh, manage their health issues and so forth. They they did so many good things, and they did evangelism. They would go out and do evangelism, but they did not establish churches. But in the last, uh, I'm going to say 100 years, particularly among Bible-believing independent Baptist missionaries. The the great movement is to go to the mission field. The missionary goes to the mission field, 
and establishes churches. And uh, really, that when you read the New Testament, and I've said this so many times, missions that does not end in the establishing of indigenous churches is not really New Testament missions. Because when you read the New Testament, that's exactly what they did. They went out from a local church. They went out and evangelized. They discipled the believers. They trained leaders, and they established churches. And then, by the way, after they had done that, they would return to the local church and tell them what good things had been done by God, not by the missionary, but by God. One of the things that I learned long before I went to the mission field was that uh, uh, the, the proper thing about missions was, number one, to win souls. Number two, to uh, disciple those who had been saved, to baptize them. For instance, many times uh, the missionaries would do a good job in evangelism, but they did not stay with the people. But if we're going to do really New Testament missions, then there has to be the establishing of independent indigenous churches. That was one of the things that uh, I've seen that has been done, and, and it's a great thing, not only be IMI, but uh, many, many other mission organizations. That is their main emphasis today, and that's a very good thing. One of the great blessings of longevity in missions is to see how the local churches have so much improved their method of sending missionaries to the mission field. When when I was doing deputation, and I hardly knew what the word deputation meant and did very little of it. If you would go to a church, and that, that church would give you a $25 or $50 honorarium, uh, it would be a big deal. Most of the places we went to, we, we barely uh, received enough to get us to the next place and so forth. Now, that was in 1964. Now, here it is in 2018, and it is amazing how God has blessed churches all across the world when they began to give to missions through the Faith Promise Way. God taught me that when I was home on furlough in 1968, and every church I've been in since that time, I have emphasized that. In fact, I've had the privilege of starting Faith Promise Giving Program of Giving to Missions in literally hundreds of churches. When missionaries go to most of the churches, they, they don't have them in there just to listen to them, but they have them in there with the intention of helping them get to the mission field. So uh, it's greater today as far as the amount that the missionaries need. But with the great increase in missionary giving in the local churches, the missionaries uh, are much more prepared financially to do the work of God once they get to the mission field than they were back in the days when I began receiving money from churches for missions. Dr. Sisk, what has been the biggest change that you've seen in missionaries that are going to the field over the years? I don't want to be derogatory, Brother Johnson, but I do do want to emphasize some things on that question. Number one, one of the good things is I feel that the missionaries are much more prepared academically and even physically to go to the mission field than they were back in 1964 when I began in missions. And uh, that that is a very good thing. Again, and uh, not to be derogatory, but... 
I do not believe that there is the element of commitment on the part of many young missionaries that there was back in 1964 and and even farther than that. For instance, I I think there is maybe an overemphasis on having just literally everything before they go to the mission field. And if we're not careful, we will take out the matter of faith in missions. And the Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. In other words, if we have to know exactly where we're going, if we have to know exactly how much we're going to receive every month, if we have to know uh, all of the other things about the, the mission field, uh, that that's not a matter of faith. There are many things that we have to do just by faith. For instance, when we went to the mission field, and and this is not the way we um, I'm emphasizing that we should do it, but when Virginia and myself and our two children went to the mission field in 1965, we had a little bit less than $500 a month promised support. Now, we needed a good bit more than that, but it, it is amazing how God provided uh, during that time. I could not take a pencil and paper and write down and say, this is the way we got by financially. It was a matter of praying and trusting God from month to month to provide our needs so we could do the work of God in Japan. And, and really, the most fruitful four years of my life was during that time when we were totally dependent on God on a day-by-day basis for the food that we ate, for the paying of our rent, for the training of our children, and on and on and on, starting churches and so forth. For instance, with $500 a month support, uh, we were able to start a church in Osaka, Japan. Uh, we were able to uh, get a Bible, a Bible institute started in our church that eventually evolved to the Kansai Independent Baptist Bible College. And just some, some amazing things happened during those years. So um, I'm, I'm afraid sometimes that maybe we are trusting what we have rather than trusting God. Okay, let me ask you one more question along those same lines. What would you say that the biggest change in missions boards has been over the past years? When I made the commitment to go to Japan as a missionary and was approved by BIMI, BIMI was very young. They had been in existence for a little bit over four years, and they knew very little about missions. And that's not derogatory. It was just a matter of they were getting started. They were doing what they could. For instance, at that time, there there was no candidate school. There was no instruction to the missionary what to do. And I've often said, uh, after I was approved, and uh, Dr. Freeney came out and said, you're on your way. And all I could think of was, I was already on my way. I just did not know if I was going with BIMI or not. (laughs) Okay. And... uh, that's the last time I saw those people until I came home on furlough uh, after four years on the mission field. So some good things have happened. For instance, Baptist International Missions has uh, come to the place where they have a wonderful candidate school for the missionaries that help the missionaries while they're on deputation. The missionaries are screened very carefully. We have all kinds of ways to help missionaries now. For instance, we have a list of uh, churches that have profit chambers. So there's a lot a lot more help for the missionary and a lot closer relationship with the local church, I think. So and that that's a good thing. 
Dr. Sisk, in thinking back over the past 50 or 60 years, what trend that you see in missions has you the most concerned for the future? So that's a very difficult question, uh, Brother Johnson. I think perhaps the greatest concern I have is the, the element of commitment. Now, I've already mentioned that, all right? But let me just emphasize a couple of things. When we went to the mission field to get a even a letter from the United States of America by airmail to Japan would take about a week to 10 days and as much as two weeks sometimes. A phone call from Japan to the United States of America, a three-minute phone call would cost $25. So for the first three and a half years that we were on the mission field, we did not make one phone call back to America. The idea of just jumping on a plane and coming back for one thing after another was unheard of. It took everything we could get, the selling of our possessions in America, everything that we could muster together to buy the four tickets and get us to Japan. So when we got there, we did not have a choice of whether we were going to stay or not because the Pacific Ocean is a big, big body of water to swim. I'm, I'm afraid that maybe today the missionaries are holding on to the United States of America. And I'm talking about missionaries from America. And by the way, that's not the only missionaries. Thank God today there are missionaries that are being sent by the churches in many, many countries. I trust that missionaries in the future, and, and I try to emphasize this when I get to teach and so forth, that you would make the place where you're going your home. And rather than continually just coming back to America for everything that happens, make a commitment to stay there. And I remember one missionary wrote and said, we've been in the Philippines for two months. My wife is sick. We can't find a house that we need to live in. I'm coming home. And he did. Now, that that's a horrible thing. Now, that's an exception. Thank God for that. But many, I'm afraid, have not made the commitment, God has called me, and I am going to do what God wants me to do. And in spite of the conditions and the persecution, the trials and so forth. In other words, a greater element of commitment. And uh, I hate to say this, but I, I do not see that in many of the present-day missionaries. Now, let me ask you on the opposite side. Thinking back over the past 50 to 60 years and forward into the future, what trend has you the most excited about missions? There are a lot of, lot of trends that, that I stay excited about, and I really do. And I, every once in a while, I hear the, the term, the demise of fundamentalism, and I think, uh, you don't go to the churches that I go to, <laughs> you know, because there, there are some great mission churches today. Uh, churches that many, many years ago just were nominally involved in missions and have come to the point where they realize that the mission of the church is mission. Uh, when you read Matthew 28, 19, and 20, missions is not a side issue. Missions is the mission of the church. And I've found many, many churches that have adopted that, adapted to that great commission. And uh, they, so they have a great emphasis, not only in giving the missionaries, but in the training of the young people in their churches to go to the mission field. And another good trend is 
the, the emphasis in Bible schools today. And years ago, one of my pet peeves was that many people teaching missions in Bible colleges know absolutely nothing about missions except what they read in a textbook. And in, in one of the things that, that God laid on my heart after I retired as president of BIMI was to uh, be involved in Bible colleges. In other words, missionaries that were home on furlough, missionaries that were retired would be involved in teaching missions in the Bible colleges. And I'm not going to name any Bible colleges, but thank God today in Bible colleges all across America, there are missionaries that are teaching missions. And this is a wonderful, wonderful trend. And then the missionaries training leaders on the mission field. This is a wonderful, wonderful trend. I really believe that in the 21st century that we're living in now, the the greatest need of the missionaries is to train national workers. And, And it's always been true. We as missionaries are not going to be able to evangelize the nations. That's going to take national leadership. And the wonderful thing is that that national leadership is being trained. The missionaries are more involved, I believe, in training nationals than than in any other time in the history of missions. And then again, in the churches that were being started on the mission field, it was never emphasized that they had a responsibility to missions just as much as the churches that sent out the missionaries to them. And in the Philippines, in Korea, uh, in Japan, and I could go on and on, those countries now are sending missionaries all around the world. Churches that were established by missionaries are now sending missionaries all around the world. That's a wonderful trend. And I'm 84 years old, okay? But I often say I've never been more excited about what God is doing in world evangelization than I am today. Now, Dr. Sish, what would you say to a new missionary that is starting out? Okay, number one, and this is for anybody, not just missionaries, stay in the Word of God. I've dealt with many issues of sin in the life of missionaries, but in every case, I have had to come to the realization they got into sin because they did not stay in the Word of God. Charles Haddon Spurgeon said it many years ago, this book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book. So a personal daily time with God is absolutely necessary for the missionary and for the missionary wife. In other words, you're going to be busy, but don't get so busy that you neglect the Word of God. Number two, stay close to your family. I do not believe that we have to sacrifice our families in order to do the work of God. I sat in a screening committee one time, and there was a obvious problem between the husband and the wife. And one of the men on the screening committee made the, made the horrible mistake of saying, well, that'll probably work out when they get on the mission field. And I said to them, if they have a problem when they go to the mission field, it's probably not going to work out. It's going to be exaggerated many, many times. This closeness of the husband and wife to take time to be with one another. Don't neglect your mate. 
Okay? Number three, don't neglect your children. By the way, let them be children. Be be sure that you are spending time with your children, that you're helping them to realize that missions is a privilege, not just a responsibility. Use your children in the work, but don't force them. Okay, let them determine what how much they will be involved in their work. And then number four, respect the people you're going to. In other words, don't ever look down upon people as if they are inferior just because you are from America or you may have happen to have more earthly possessions than they do. Uh, they are not inferior. Uh, they are created by God just as you are and respect the national people. And then probably the most important thing is be sure that you love. Number one, you love the Lord. You love your wife. You love your children. You love the people you're working with. And you love the work of God. I have been involved in Christian ministry. I was ordained in 1956, all of these years. And I I love the fact that God has called me to be a minister of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Never take for granted the wonderful, wonderful privilege of knowing that you've been called by God and that you're doing the work of God. Dr. Sis, last question. What would you say to a missionary who right now is on the field and they're struggling? The ministry may not be going exactly like they thought it would be. Uh, Maybe they're not adjusting as well to the area that they're living. What would you say to them at this point? I think I would say what the Apostle Paul said in the book of Galatians. In uh, Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7, the Bible says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Then listen very carefully to verse 9. Let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap, we faint not. Now, this is easy to say. It's very difficult to practice. Somewhere along the line, you made this statement. I know that God has called me to Korea, Philippines, Taiwan, wherever. You're where God wants you to be. You're doing what God wants you to do. That is, you're, you're faithful to witness to the people. You are, you are faithful to try to teach them. You're faithful to love them, to respect them. You are faithful to sow the seed. And by the way, if you're not going to be a soul winner, then don't waste mission money. Uh, do the work of an evangelist. That's what the Apostle Paul urged young Timothy. Do the work of an evangelist. And if we're not careful, we'll get so busy doing everything else that we forget to do the main thing, and that is to proclaim the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Many times I have finished a project and thought that's a total failure, only to find years later 
that God used that. So remember, your job may be planting the seed. Your job may be watering. I planted apostles watering. God gave the increase. And to, to realize that well, we do have a responsibility to do our part, but we are not responsible for the results. The Bible simply says it is required of a steward that a man be found faithful. And, and listen to this verse again. And let us not be weary in well-doing. And just stop and think, am I where God wants me to be? Am I doing what God wants me to do? In other words, if I am, am I reading my Bible? Am I praying? Am I witnessing? Am I preaching? Am I doing whatever God called me to do? Let us not be weary in well-doing. That's doing well. We're doing what God told us to do. And he said, let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season, and by the way, due season is God's appointed time. In due season, now, the only thing that will keep us from reaping the rewards of what we're doing is that we faint, we quit, we give up. And I've, I've often thought, I wonder how many times we've given up on something just a little bit earlier than we should have. In other words, if we would have been consistent, if we would have been more dedicated to what we're doing, we'll, we'll reap. Now, we might not reap on this earth, but thank God we'll see the results of what we've done when we get to heaven. There's never been a time when God has not been active in the world. Amen. Thank you so much, Dr. Sis, for your time today in sharing with us from your heart. I know that it's going to be a blessing to missionaries all around the world. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. I hope that the interview with Dr. Sisk was a blessing to you. Sometimes it's good to get outside of ourselves and see how things work together in a broader context. In our next show, we're going to jump into the bane of many missionaries' existence, having to call churches to set meetings. We're going to be talking with Pastor Denny Midori, who has served as both a missionary and now as a pastor, trying to get some perspective from both sides of the desk. We're also going to have a special guest joining us that has years of experience in making calls from a business perspective. We hope that you'll join us.